Welcome to the, the first true episode of the uh, Redraft season for the Slant Podcast. Apologies for being away the first few weeks. Had a little bit going on um, with a few different things and then also mixing in lockdown. I just kind of haven't caught a break. So um, this is the first week and we'll try to get some at least one piece of content out per week. Plus maybe those who want to tune in on uh, Sunday morning, you get some sort of like punting things and maybe some leans and um, yeah, and some bits and in lines that I might like on Sunday morning. So, so moving forwards, today I will be doing some possible buy low and sell high targets if, for myself personally for the redraft season. Dynasty is a little bit different, but into this podcast will be in general um, for the redraft format. So my first one is a wide receiver who went at the start of most second rounds and was set to sort of fly this year and absolutely boom. Unfortunately, the quarterback play and the whole offense has been absolutely terrible in Atlanta, but Calvin Ridley was set to have a star started year this year with, without Julio. And I know a lot of people sat there and said, oh, well, without Julio, he's going to draw the targets and the, and the corners and that sort of stuff. But Ridley's, Ridley, I used to think, could only be a 1B but I'm starting to think he can be a 1A in the right situation. He's been getting eight targets, 10 targets, 11 targets. The targets are there, but Atlanta's not scoring a whole lot of points. And the promise is they're just like terrible throws. So he's getting all these targets and his yardage is 51, 63, and 61. That's his absolute flaw. So that's his absolute flaw. And he's only got one touchdown so far. And if they're going to score any touchdowns, it's going to come from likely through him, possibly Kyle Pitts, maybe through Mark Davis a little bit and a few other people, but the bulk of the work moving forwards is going to come through Ridley. Now, coming up, they've got teams like New York Jets, Miami, Carolina, Dallas, Jacksonville, New England, Carolina again, and then they finish off with Detroit. It's a great run home for someone like Calvin Ridley. And if you're looking to make a run, that you might find that the Ridley owner is just ready to jump ship. They've seen the seven, they've seen the 15 and the 10, and they're just, they're just ready to get out. So if you could if you could sell maybe your wide receiver two and then get Ridley, like if you're trying to sell high on a wide receiver two, Ridley could be a perfect target and you throw in some sort of bench piece and make it up. But he's a guy I'm, I'd really be trying to buy and, and hope for the run home. Matt Ryan can't beat that bad all year, can he? So he's my first one. My second one would be Scary Terry. He's sneaking in at wide receiver 26 so far, and you haven't heard a, a word from him. He had one big game against the Giants where he had 14 targets, 11 receptions, 107 yards, and a TD for an absolute boom week. And his other two weeks have been uh, eight points. He's got four receptions on those two days. But moving forwards, uh, I just it's hard to see this guy not scoring. Like he's just perennial going to be a, that's his absolute flaw. His absolute flaw this season, he finished wide receiver 26. And if you can pay that sort of value for him, he's not going to go any lower. So he's going to return investment and possibly might crack into the higher side of wide receiver two in terms of wide receiver 12, 13, 14. And some of these top guys that I'll talk about later start to waver and fall later in the year. But he's coming up against teams like Kansas City. Great game script for that. Green Bay should be the same. Tampa Bay will be the same game script. Carolina, Seattle, 
Las Vegas, Dallas twice to end the season. So if you're looking to make a playoff run and you need a wide receiver too, or if you you're went RB early and you just need a cheap wide receiver that could return on investment and plus, Scary Terry's got to be it, especially if you're trying to make a run this year and you can see if you're 2-1 or 3-0 and and think you're going to be in the playoffs, you got Dallas week 14 and then week 16 too. Like, that's going to be perfect game script for someone like him. And he's just going to be a plug and play and he's just super nice. I think that that middling week is probably a little bit nearer his ceiling, but eight points per week on week one and three, it's just, it's going to be that, that absolute minimum. Like he's just going to eat 70, 80 yard games because they kind of don't have a whole lot of other sort of options at the moment. So I'd be trying to buy him on the cheap if I can. The last, the next one is uh, a guy who I was super high on coming into this year, preseason boosted that. And then to start the year, he just did nothing. And I know he's, he probably got dropped in quite a few leagues too because he only went round in the 12th, 13th, 14th round in draft time. But he started off with a 1.9 and 1.8. And then last week, we saw his, his 12.1s where he got a TD. Marquis Callaway. Now, there's not too many re- receivers on this offense at the moment. I know Juwan Johnson had two TDs one week and Alvin Kamara is going to absolutely bang there. But I think Callaway's going to start getting better. Last year was his rookie year. He's still super young, just trying to find his feet. And he went up against Green Bay and Carolina, and he probably should have scored, and it had me super disappointed. But against New England, he went and got his 40 yards, but he got his TD. The important part about this TD was, if you go watch the replay, they were about 10 yards out from the goal line, and Jameis Winston had no clue where he was throwing it, just threw it, knew Callaway was in the air, and he made this ridiculous grab in the end zone. Showed that Jameis trusted him and that Callaway also has the talent to make big plays. It's pretty much exactly like what happened preseason, if you go back and look, where he had two incredible grabs in preseason. I can't remember who it was against. And his stock just skyrocketed. By then, a few people had already drafted him anyway. But that's where I, I think his ceiling is. Got a nice run home where you're going to play Seattle. Going to go up against Tennessee. Buffalo, they could be chasing points. Dallas again, New York Jets are in there and Miami as well to end off the season. So like there's a good run home there. I know Michael Thomas is due to come back, but if you can buy him now, Michael Thomas comes back, draws top coverage. Callaway could be like a great, great bloomer late in there. And you can get him so cheap at the moment because everyone just wants out. He can sit on his bench until he starts doing something consistently, but he could be one of those league winners that starts coming right in week seven, eight, nine, ten. So it could be a great stash if you got dropped in your league. Or if you trade him, trade for him and get him super cheap, I love trying to pick a player like him up. The next one is a running back that a lot of people had really, really high. I couldn't draft him preseason at the price tag, but his price tag price tag's starting to come down, and that's JT. Jonathan Taylor, a lot of people drafted him at the end of the first round because of what he did at the end of last year. Now, end of last year, his run home was abysmal defensively. He finished the season off with Houston, Vegas, Houston, Pittsburgh, and Jacksonville. And then that shot him into wider uh, running back six or something for the year. And it was like, oh my God, JT, 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 because he's getting this insane volume and he had massive yardage and he had a bunch of TDs. People forgot he, was, he scored like seven, eight touchdowns over that period of the four games. And until then, people were looking to trade him away so quick. 
But his price tag's starting to come down now where you can start getting him for the middling sort of RB2 and maybe a piece to just get the other owner over the line. Especially with his his first week of 15, everyone thought, mean, he's getting this massive, massive workload. And he followed by 5.8 and then 7.7 against uh, the Rams in Tennessee. Rams are going to be a good defense. But the most important thing for me was over that period, he still had enough volume that I liked to see. Now, rumors have it they're trying to trade away Marlon Max. So if that happens, his snap share increases. My only worry is the fact that he's still only playing on 50% of snaps. So Hines and other people are still getting quite a big snap share. But I know you know that they trust JT enough. And later in the year, he will come right. Fingers crossed anyway. So you might be able to strong arm a owner of JT and get him quite cheap. He hasn't scored any touchdowns this year, but his run home again this year is quite nice. He's got over the next sort of 10 weeks, he's got Houston, Tennessee again, uh, Jacksonville, New York Jets, Houston again, New England will be average, Arizona going to be a little bit average. Those are great teams to go up against. And if he can be, if he can be your RB2, great plug and play option. Yeah, you're not going to feel super confident playing him, but if he comes right towards the end of the year like he did last year, another league winner. The next four guys are people that I'm looking to possibly sell if I have. First up was as a wide receiver from San Fran, and that's Debo Samuel. Currently wide receiver nine. There's no way he's being drafted anywhere near that, and to be fair, that wasn't his ceiling. His ceiling was wide receiver 18, 19, 20 at absolute ceiling. They've got Kittle there, they've got Ayuk, they've got running backs for Africa, and they were just never going to be touted as a big passing offense. His targets to start the year, 12, 8, 10, and his receptions are 9, 8, 9, 6, 5. He's only scored one touchdown, so the fact that he's still getting bulk yardage is a bit of a sticky stat if you want to move forward. But I don't think he's a guy that's massive, massively talented in terms of being a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. If you can cash in for him and get a high wide receiver two or a middling, that'd be me. Like if I could trade Debo and someone for Terry McLaurin, I'd be smashing that so hard. His first week against Detroit, he had 26, and then kind of starts falling down. His yardage was there. It's, again, decreasing, and he's getting bulk targets, but I don't think his targets are going to be there for too long. And I think they're going to start spreading the ball. Kittle started to get a bit of play last game. Ayuk will start easing into the game once he starts figuring out what the hell this NFL pros is about. So I just, I don't think he's going to be hitting 13, 14 points a game. I think people are going to be very disappointed with him down the run after he's put them in contention early in the season. So if I was lo- if I was looking to make a playoff later, I'd be trying to sell Debo for a guy that's going to help you later down the track. Another one possibly trying to sell high on is a guy sitting on wide receiver two now, Mike Williams. He's a guy I tried to get in so many leagues and he would just would always go the one round before I was ready to take him. Contract year, he's got the talent, he's got the metrics in terms of his size everything screamed like he, he was going to be a good nfl pro and he still is he's sitting wide receiver two now it's another guy that's so above a ceiling right now if you can flip him off to anywhere near it i'd be happy he scored four touchdowns already this year in game script against dallas and kansas city that kind of matched he's got had 12 targets 10 targets nine targets and he's pretty much caught most of them 
banging 80, 90, 100 yard games for fun, plus the touchdowns means he's getting huge weeks. This is going to get a little bit harder for him. He's going to draw Baltimore. He's going to draw Denver. Giants can sometimes stop wide receivers. Houston, Denver. It's more so about the game script that worries me. They'll be up against Houston. They'll be up against the Giants. They'll be up against Cincinnati. They'll be up against Philly. They'll be up against New England. They could possibly be up against Vegas. And, and these Vegas and Cleveland games are going to be lines, games where the lines are close and teams are trying to keep the points down. So I'm just not sure he's going to be getting 12 targets a game for 10 receptions, 122 yards, and, and four TDs over a three-week span. People are massively like buying into him though at the moment. So if you can find a buyer for him and you could sell him for a guy much like Terry McLaurin or shit, if you can get Mike Williams and someone else and get someone like Ridley would be so, so nice. There are leagues where that shit happens all the time. So don't say, oh, well, my league mates were never because a lot of the time they actually do. And you just didn't ask the question when you see a bum trade go down. So yeah, Mike Williams is more the one that the moving forward, I'm not sure game script is going to be as handy as what it might've been in a few games where he's absolutely banged. And if you draft him in the eighth, ninth, tenth round, he's returning value on you so far. And if you can start moving up that draft board by trading him away for someone that was in the fifth, sixth round, so you start moving up and start getting that high ceiling in those those winning teams. Next one is a running back from Buffalo. Remember I kind of wanted to fade this RB room during the offseason because Singletary and Moss were pretty much the exact same player. And last year, they just busted out four yards per carry, but they're only having eight, nine, ten carries a game. And it was kind of just a nightmare to try to figure out who's going to win it. I think Zach Moss is the most talented guy there, but I just, I'm not sure that they're going to be continue to run the ball as much as they have so far this year. They didn't want to run it last year. Josh Allen is a massive goal line poach in terms of touchdowns, and they've still got, they've got Beasley who's scoring touchdowns for fun, and he's absolute baller this year. They've still got Diggs. I think it's going to continue to be a passing offense. And when, team, when they've got up against teams like Kansas City, possibly Tennessee, Tampa Bay, they're going to have to start throwing the ball. And I'm just not sure I want to ride Zach Moss. He's not a player that you start and you feel confident with. At the end of your flicks on bye weeks, he's a guy that you kind of sometimes just have to play. But he's currently sitting at running back 22. And his last two weeks, had 14 and 16 points on the back of touchdowns both weeks. And like just nothing he's really done has been super inspiring. So if I could flip him away for someone that's a little bit of a safer play in terms of the running back room, I probably would. Singletary's still there. They're pretty much splitting the share down about 50-50 at the moment. Singletary's getting 11 carries per game pretty much, and Moss is getting the same. And I'm just not sure they're ever going to have a, a, a running back bell cow. So... If you want to play him, sure. But if I could get someone or I could sell Zach Moss in a wide receiver and I could upgrade at one of those positions, I'd be pretty happy to do so because he's a guy that you just, you're not going to be able to rely on long-term over the season. Last one is a wide receiver that is sitting at wide receiver five at the moment. It's Adam Thielen. Now, Adam Thielen is one of the most underrated fantasy performers in recent history. Brandon Cook sits in the same category as him. Adam Adam Thielen's been a top 10 wide receiver pretty much most of his years that he's played and he's been healthy. 
He just spins out TDs for fun and everyone keeps waiting for the TD decline. Last year, he had 14 touchdowns, which everyone assumed would decline over this year. But at the moment, he's already got four touchdowns in three games. He's getting a nice amount of targets, and that's a sticky stat. But his receptions are kind of hanging at a middle wide receiver. It's more his yards that kind of worry, worry me. Jefferson's getting more longer grabs, and Thielen's getting the shorter, shorter routes. For example, last week he had six grabs for 50 yards, and the previous was six for 39. Now, if you take away a lot of these touchdowns out of it, which can be quite volatile at some points, especially in offense where you've got Cook and you've got Jefferson, who will poach touchdowns quite often, you, his, his stats start coming far down in terms of his, his numbers. So he would be no way near wide receiver five. And if I could start selling him as a top 12 or top 14 receiver, I'd be pretty happy to move sideways. For example, like you could probably get a McLaurin-esque type player for Thielen and, and, and some bench bum for the right person. So he's another guy I'd probably sell high on. Most of these guys, they're just so high right now that if you can find the right guy, I'd be happy to sell them. Now, this doesn't mean I'm going to fade Thielen for the rest of the year and go like sell him for absolutely no one. It just means if I could find the right buyer at the right price, I'd be more than happy to move off him and move up the draft board in terms of equity that I have sitting in my, my team. That wraps up. Uh, the buy and sell on the first episode for the year. Thank you for tuning in. Apologies again for my absence. I will be consistent in terms of getting probably one out per week sometime during the week, as well as I'll try to get some short punting segment out on possibly Sunday morning. So feel free to check back in then to see if you, if you start placing any bets or any multis or singles. So see you then.